Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. This is Rajan. Um, Pat and I are going to be doing kind of home and home podcasts this week due to families, uh, family obligations and travel obligations and all that fun stuff getting in the way of us being able to kind of do our usual weekly podcast recap. And then again, given the way the Washington football franchise, not using the name again, uh, played against the Detroit Lions yesterday in their 36-27 to loss. I believe that was the final score. Don't really care. It was a loss anyway. Um, it's not really a, an occasion that we wanted to congregate for anyway. Um, extremely frustrating loss for a variety of reasons. Um, I'm going to dive into a lot of those reasons. I think there's one overtly glaring one, particularly those of you who um, follow our Hail to the District or Hail to DC Twitter handle will know. If you see any of the vitriol directed towards Jack Del Rio, uh, more than likely that's coming from me because uh, I'm just so sick and disgusted of have this idiot continuing to run our defense for another year despite showing absolutely no ability to come up with anything that remotely resembles uh, using your brain whatsoever. I think all his brain cells are devoted to trying to... Um, justify whatever happened on the January 6th date. I know that joke is old, but I can't really think of anything else he's doing because it's certainly not coordinating a defense. Um, anyway, Pat's going to provide his thoughts shortly uh, or maybe on the back end of this podcast, depending on how scheduling goes. But for now, I'm just kind of emptying out my notebook of all the angry scribbles that I wrote during the course of the game. Uh, I'm going to get to dust up Del Rio in a, in a couple of minutes, but I think there's one narrative or angle that's kind of being lost amidst all the shit flinging amongst us Washington fans uh, about the defense, rightfully so. And, you know, we touch on it in different ways and shapes, but I want to kind of drill in because I think it's really important for us to kind of separate from the just complete ineptitude of our defense. Um, and that was the fact that Detroit paralyzed our offense throughout the first half with pressure, with blitzes, and basically doing anything they could to overwhelm the our offensive line uh, that really didn't have a lot of time to come together. And I think, and I mentioned this to my friends, I think it was a really smart game plan, to be honest, by the Lions. They came right after our mediocre interior offensive line. And again, it was a group that had basically no time to work together throughout the offseason and training camp and all that fun stuff. And they did what they went out of their way to bring the house against Carson Wentz, knowing that he, you know, the MO on him has always been that he'll get happy feet if he's under pressure and he's more likely to make a mistake if he's under pressure, particularly so. I know every quarterback is more likely to make mistakes when they're under pressure, but Wentz, that's really his MO. Uh, the Lions, they stacked the box unapologetically and um, they, they just said that we're not going to make you comfortable. And we know that it, once you get uncomfortable, you start playing hero ball or YOLO ball, hero ball or YOLO ball. And, you know, if nothing else, you're going to start sailing your passes. And he did. If you go back and watch a lot of the passes that he threw in his first half, threw in the first half, I should say, they were errant. They missed the mark. And that was when he actually had a chance to throw the football. Um uh, it's funny, Warren Sharp, who goes out of his way to point out Wentz's shortcomings, but he had some pretty bleak stats for Carson Wentz in the first half. You know, Wentz averaged three and a half yards per attempt in the first half. 12 of his 17 passes went for less than five yards, and all five of his attempts that went for, my, for five yards were incomplete. 
you know, the, the interior of our offensive line was a concern heading into the season, and the Lions rightfully exploited it. And that concern is only amplified now with the recent report that Chase Roulier is probably out for the season. Uh, it's it was really frustrating to watch as a whole amidst everything else and amidst the way Detroit was moving the ball up and down, uh, you know, on the opposite side of the field. But it was like Detroit would bring these blitzes from basically everywhere, and we acted like we'd never seen one before. We were totally crippled by it. And to make matters even more frustrating on top of that was that, you know, our game plan was basically like a non sequitur or like a, just a total bad juxtaposition for what we were supposed to face or what we theoretically should have done against Detroit's defense. We were playing against a secondary that already wasn't very good at covering dynamic receivers in particular. And then on top of that, they were already beat up. Now, I know the, the, the devil's advocate would be that, you know, we probably did call a shot, a few shot plays in the first half. If you go back and look, it looked like there was a few like slow developing plays that were probably intended to kind of, you know, beat Detroit down the field. And their pressure was just so immense and so consistent that Wentz didn't really have the time to get the ball out. And that's true. But, um, you know, all the creativity that we demonstrated against Jacksonville to start things off in the game it felt like it went all out. It went all out the window. We kept the Jaguars off balance in the first half because we started kind of showed a whole bunch of shit and made them think about it. Instead, you know, we had a really vanilla, basic, you know, unimaginative game plan to start off the game, and whatever we did, Wentz was routinely hesitating after his first look. So, point being, whatever we called, Detroit kind of had an idea for it. They had it well defended, and they did their homework. And they're not a team that's supposed to be this really intelligent or and in, in, in have a bunch of ingenuity or something. They're like a hard-nosed, gritty team emblemizing or emblemizing. I don't know if that's a word or not, but, you know, symbolizing their coach. But, you know, they outsmarted us. They out-homeworked us, if you will. You know, we couldn't get a running game going for the entire game. I mean, we finished with 21 uh, 21 attempts for 88 yards, and that 88 yards was grossly deflated by, you know, went scrambling for 23 yards on his own. But just by in general, like, we didn't do anything until the second half. And, I mean, you know, I, I hate saying this, but the output in the second half might have been a little bit of a mirage, to be completely honest. You know, it's kind of like the whole, like, garbage yards, catch-up time, whatever you want to call it. Uh, considering Detroit was up 22 nothing, they might have gotten a bit comfortable with their first half lead, right? Um, or, you know, maybe I'm just being overtly bleak right now and Scott Turner came up with a whole bunch of halftime adjustments and, you know, we started moving the ball up and down the field. Uh, I can tell you who didn't come up with any halftime adjustments and who probably just went into halftime to go eat some Doritos and play Tiddlywinks. Um, that was Jack Del Rio. You know... <sighs> When it comes to this defense, it's the same bullshit over and over and over again. There's poor performance from entire position groups. I mean, the secondary was ass yesterday. I don't even want to talk about the linebacker position because there's nothing left to say about here that we haven't said before in terms of their pure incompetence and pure overmatchedness, if that's a word. Uh, there's always a total lack of cohesion, a total lack of basic chemistry across our defense. In a coaching staff that really has no idea how to mitigate any of these shortcomings, besides trying the same things over and 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 over again, hoping for different results, which is Einstein's definition of insanity. 
I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown, who looked like Jerry Rice in his prime against us. Surprise, surprise, because everybody looks like Jerry Rice in their prime against us. But St. Brown openly mentioned that if Washington, if, excuse me, if Detroit went into a bunch formation with their wide receivers, basically all of the heads of our defense would just explode at one time. I'm not reading between the lines here. St. Brown literally said that Detroit's coaches knew that we couldn't handle if they got into the bunch formation. So if I'm not being clear, it was painfully apparent to the opposing team that our defensive coaching staff had no idea how to defend against a relatively common offensive formation. Do the math there. On our side, Derek Forrest openly said that it felt like Detroit's offense knew exactly what Washington's, was, Washington's defense was going to do on any given play, and that whatever the Lions did to move the ball basically at will up and down the first half and much of the second half was mostly attributable, if not entirely attributable, to a poor scheme and the total ineffectiveness of whatever scheme, and if you want to call whatever we did a scheme, that's on you, the total ineffectiveness of it. In case in point, you know, uh, Detroit clearly watched what Jacksonville did last week because they were unabashedly attacking the middle of the field with all sorts of crossing routes and mesh concepts and all of those things because they knew the back seven of our defense, once again, was totally incapable and incompetent of stopping any of it. Just there's no chance. There's no hope whatsoever. Just typical. It's the same shit, different week. You know, Bobby McCain and fuck that guy to high hell. Uh, Bobby McCain can talk about all the progress and communication he wants. He's the classic guy that when you ask him a question, he smarted off at one of the reporters who was trying to ask him, "What the fuck were you doing when DeAndre Swift?" caught a pass in the flat, fell down, and there was still nowhere, no defender within a 10-yard radius, and McCain had the gall to kind of snap and make a snarky comment at the at the reporter who asked the question, as if he's some Pro Bowl receiver and not a gigantic pile of horse manure. Uh, you know, he can talk about all the progress and communication and, and, and whatever nonsense they want to feed us about how well the secondary is communicating with each other. But the simple fact is, is that he and Forrest blew the coverage on Swift on that third down pass that, le- that ended up being a touchdown because they both picked up Hawkinson with nobody alerting each other that one or the other was probably on the wrong guy before or during the play. I mean, Ron Rivera called this out in the presser today. I think it's it's Derek Forrest's fault, but hey, Bobby McCain, fuck you. If you're such a good leader, why don't you get people's ass in shape instead of picking on reporters after the game? Here's a newsflash. You fucking suck. And I can't say that. I can't say that clearly enough. Back to Rodel Rio. I don't want to spend another 30 minutes talking about what a piece of shit uh, Bobby McCain is, but... The rotating door of nincompoop defensive coordinators we continue to employ is just, it's so aggravating. I mean, Jim Hazlitt, Joe Barry, Craig Minoski, now Del Rio. We go out of our way to hire the least competent people we can find to take the goddamn position. Uh, you know, and I, nothing would make me happier right now than to hear the news that Del Rio has been relieved of his duties. As much as I'm shouting for Del Rio to be fired, and and believe me, if you haven't been listening over the last God knows how long, I I am quite loudly. The sad part is, is that we're not going to suddenly find some superstar coach that's just waiting on the street to be hired, who has this magic wand who's going to fix this entire defense. You know, I know people are trying to, you know, console themselves with like, you know, Chase Young is coming back and maybe we'll get Cam Curl to come back, you know, next week or whatever. But that's not going to fix this mess. I tweeted this from the Hail to District account. 
you know, you can bring back Lawrence Taylor and Ronnie, Ronnie Lott in their primes. And given how stupid our defensive coaches and scheme is in general, and given how stupid our players are in terms of the cohesion or lack thereof on this defense, none of it's going to matter. You know, we're just a bunch of ants running around with nothing to do. You know, I wanted to use the, you know, bunch of X people, you know, humping a doorknob quote from Rip Torn in, in Dodgeball, but I don't want to be insensitive about it in that regard. You know, point being, Ron Rivera's loyalty to his coaches, the lack of viable replacement options. You know, we're stuck with we're stuck with good old dust up Del Rio. You know, through the remainder of this season, I'm afraid there's nothing we can do here, and and that's got to be really alarming considering who we're playing next week. And I'm going to get to that in a moment. But as we take a very quick aside, and as I try to wrap things up, uh, I wanted to highlight or maybe low light, uh, a few other plays that I thought were really integral in this game. You know how coaches like to say that in any given game, uh, it comes down to like five or six plays or whatever. Uh, to me, these are five of those six plays, five or six of those particular plays that I kind of wanted to call out because I think they were real big momentum shifters. Um, Detroit's second to last possession in the first half. Brandon St. Juice drops the interception, Right. Excuse me, Benjamin St. Juice drops the, the, the second interception. Uh, the interception in on that second drive. Sorry, I'm watching Kirk Cousins throw up a, another interception as I was uh, um, saying this. So anyway, uh, Benjamin St. Juice drops the interception on Detroit's second-to-last uh, possession of the first half. If he holds on to the ball, that would have given the, uh, us the ball inside of Detroit territory. It would have been our first plays inside of Detroit territory. Then on the next drive, Detroit runs into Tressway on 4th and 6, meaning Washington would have had 4th and short. And yes, I know it was inside Detroit territory, but it was 4th and short, maybe one and a half, two yards, and we still punted. We have done nothing. We haven't even been able to get into Detroit's side of the football. We've done nothing so far, and yet the chance we have to maybe get some points after halftime, once again... Riverboat Ron does the exact opposite and reverts to some of the bad habits we saw from last year and punts it and surrenders it on fourth and short. That was extremely frustrating, at least to me, but I always believe in going for it on fourth down. Uh, Wentz's interception on the second drive of the second half. Wentz's only interception, but particularly on the second drive of the second half. Uh, you know, I know Detroit ultimately ended up punting, but we can't walk away from the fact that I think that was a huge momentum killer. Not only was Logan Thomas wide open streaking down the seam on that particular play, but if Wentz connected with him, it would have put us deep into Detroit territory again. And the Lions were very, very clearly on the ropes in that way, in that point, uh, much in the same way we were on the ropes in the first half. It felt like we were well on pace to put up another seven points on that drive. And, you know, frankly, we did, if you look at it, because we put up seven points on our very next offensive drive, cutting Detroit's lead to 22-15. So, you know, that just ate time off the clock. I know Detroit went three and out or four and out on the ensuing drive. But, you know, that just the time that we desperately needed in this game or we could have used, we didn't have it because we had to give the ball up and, you know, basically take two more minutes off the clock. I think there's two more critical plays, uh, three more if we're being completely honest, but I think one of the two daggers, or one of the, excuse me, one of the two yeah, daggers, if we're talking Steve Buckhands, but one of the two nails in the coffin, obviously was the jet sweep to St. Brown. Um, I mean, that murdered any chance of our comeback, basically, or any hopes of winning, considering the very next play was the catch and fall down and run in by Swift, which put the Lions back up by 14 points. Um, but the the... 
there's one that kind of flew under the radar. So we're down 29-21 after the very strange two-point uh, conversion or lack thereof, two-point attempt. And Detroit's driving again. Uh, God forbid Del Rio gets us one more stop. God forbid. Uh, but Detroit's driving. They've got third and two. I think they're on the 48-yard line of ours. And then they hit that big pass up the seam themselves to back up tight end Brock White, who absolutely smoked David Mayo. David Mayo is on the field in coverage. Now, I know he's intended to be, to be there to kind of help stop the run, yada, yada, whatever. But once again, our defense gets pantsed at the least viable or the least, you know, least beneficial time for us if such a thing exists and whatever hope we had to give the ball back to our offense and, and maybe having one last miracle chance to win the game went up in flames uh, obviously especially considering the ensuing play was the second touchdown to Amon Ross St. Brown it, you know just by and large we can't reasonably compete for all of our joy and excitement after the Jaguars game we can't expect anything if nothing changes with this Groundhog's Day defense. And I genuinely believe, as much as I wish that weren't the case, that nothing is going to change. And as much as I want to smash my computer against a wall for saying that, nothing's going to be different. It's going to be more of the same. Uh, and I think what should be even more alarming for all of us, frankly, is who we play the next week. Excuse me, who we play next Sunday. The Eagles, who, as I mentioned, are basically tearing apart the Vikings right now. Um, you know, even as I'm reveling in Cousins throwing his third interception of this game and, you know, his mental boners galore, um, I, that doesn't bring me any comfort considering there isn't a modicum of hope for us to stop Philadelphia's receivers, particularly A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard, among others, and limit the damage that Jalen Hurts is going to do to us with his scrambling ability. We've shown no ability to stop quarterbacks uh, to, who can scramble themselves and his general elusiveness. He is a pain in the ass to bring down the pocket because of his lower body strength, which they highlighted very you know, clearly on, on Monday Night Football. Uh, that's a thing. So as I you know, jokingly sent to my friends that the over-under on how many yards the Eagles are going to put up on this defense next week is 600, uh, I'll take the over. And as much as I want to believe I'm exaggerating, I'm probably not. So... You know, it was a fun seven days or however many it was for us to enjoy the uh, the win over Jacksonville, but reality came crashing right back down, and, you know, we are just where we started. And I know the schedule is a bit easier for us this season, but given the way that Cooper Rush looked for the Cowboys and some of the other opponents on the schedule, you know, there's no reason to believe that we're going to be any good if this defense continues to do the same shit over and over and over again. I do secretly think there's a, uh, a part of us that we're maybe overlooking where Detroit's kind of good. Whatever. All of that being said is we played like hot, sick ass in terms of our defense. Our offense did it for one half, at least got their shit together for the second one. Our defense didn't do it at all. So I'll pause there. Um, this is the end of the episode if we're not able to get something from Pat. But otherwise, thank you for listening. Thank you for letting me rant. And uh, it was very cathartic for me, at least for an hour or so. And then after they'll remember where we are. And remember that we've got the Eagles coming up against us um, uh, next Sunday. But thank you for listening. If you haven't done so already, please make sure you subscribe to us. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.